On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. Really understand how their role and responsibilities impact the success of the company. Things that kind of culturally can make it easier for a company to transition. While there are many ways to transition out of a business, one form integrates the current workforce as new owners. Record survey numbers for Midwest economic growth And in our business profile segment, we'll meet an Eastern Iowa business owner who helps homeowners navigate the insurance claims waters. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of May, 2021. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. We talk about business on this program, establishing a business, running a business, growing a business. But one of the often overlooked aspects of the life of a company is how it transitions when the owner is ready to retire or do something else. Jenny Massal is with the ICA Group which is partnering with Advance Iowa for a number of webinars providing information about one method of transition, the worker co-op. I asked Jenny Massal about the company and their work. The ICA Group is a nonprofit organization. We've been around for 40 years, and we specialize in helping companies become employee-owned companies. We got our start in Massachusetts in the 70s, helping a lot of manufacturing businesses that were at risk of closure as manufacturing moved offshore, helping the employees to become the the owners of their company to keep those services and jobs in the community. Since then, our work has evolved. We work with companies in industries all over the country that are exploring transitions to employee ownership oftentimes because an owner wants to exit the business and oftentimes because they're looking to retire. And this employee ownership model can be a really great exit option for business owners who want to get a fair price for the sale of their business, want to kind of ensure the legacy that they've built, maybe want to reward employees for their hard work that they've contributed towards the success of the business and allow the business to continue for generations to come. So obviously there are a lot of reasons why people might choose one option as opposed to another. It would almost seem easier in one respect. If I have a business, I want to retire, I want to turn it over, I just find somebody who can buy it, I cash the check, I walk away. But it seems to me that if you've put your heart and soul in the business your whole life, that's not going to be enough, is it, to just simply cash out to the highest bidder? You really feel a little more of a connection, especially to the people who who got you there. Yeah, I think for all of the owners we work with, you know, exiting their business and thinking about what comes next for the business is a really emotional process. And there's a lot of kind of deep personal connection to the business they've built. And this idea of a stranger just coming in and taking over can be unsettling for a lot of the owners we work with and and doesn't really jive with what they want. For a lot of owners, that might also just like not be a possibility. You know, it depends on the industry, the geography, you know, what is the market for being able to sell 
a business. I think there's a statistic about how like 80% of businesses listed for sale never, never sell. And so I think this option is sometimes the only option for owners kind of depending on the nature of their business and what other options exist for the sale. But I think it can also be an especially appealing option for them to maintain some connection to the business and yeah, kind of ensure that what they've built continues under the leadership of people who kind of know how the business has operated historically. From a nuts and bolts operational standpoint, it's a much different thing for an employee to get a paycheck as opposed to now I'm a part owner. This is a cooperative venture. There must be some strategies that you help people employ to make that transition go smoothly. The ICA group specializes in a form of employee ownership called a worker cooperative. And that's a less heard of form of employee ownership. The most common form of employee ownership that people have more likely heard of is called an ESOP, an employee stock ownership program. An ESOP is a form of employee ownership that has a lot of advantages for companies in terms of tax savings, but it's also a highly regulated form of business ownership. Because of that, it can be costly to administer. And so this kind of cost-benefit analysis for an ESOP of does the tax savings you get for pursuing an ESOP make sense in terms of the cost really only works for companies of a certain size and profitability. And so an ESOP is the most common form of employee ownership, but is a prohibitive form of employee ownership for many small and medium-sized businesses. So the worker co-op model, which is basically a form of direct ownership where any employees who meet basic eligibility requirements set out by the company can become an equal owner of the business is an incredibly flexible form. It's not regulated in any special way. Some states have cooperative corporations. In other states, you can be incorporated as an LLC or a C-Corp and just create cooperative principles into your governing documents and elect to be taxed as a cooperative with the IRS. So it's a super flexible form of employee ownership that can be easier to implement than something like an ESOP, which is so cumbersome to set up and administer. In terms of the process, I think going from being an employee to being an owner is a, is a big shift for workers. I think there are things that companies can do to help set them up for success, you know, building in systems and a culture of employees being able to have access to financial information about the company and really understand how their role and responsibilities impact the success of the company are things that kind of culturally can make it easier for a company to transition. But I also think workers need to be the legal owners of the business to kind of feel that responsibility of ownership and to be able to like step into that role. So I think it can also be hard to create that culture kind of before a transition. And so a lot of the work that ICA Group does is about kind of building that culture through the process leading up to the transition and then really supporting the company and and building a really strong ownership culture over time so that employees can show up and think and act like owners. Are there certain types of businesses, you mentioned broadly about size, but are there certain types of businesses that are better suited for the worker co-op model as opposed to one of the other employee ownership models? 
Worker co-ops exist in pretty much every industry I can think of. I think there's certain industries where you see a lot of worker co-ops. And I think that is often the case in industries where there's already a lot of kind of teamwork and collaboration in the workplace. So we see a lot of worker co-ops in the landscaping industry, in construction, in general contracting. There's a lot of worker co-ops in professional services type firms. So like marketing, graphic design, architecture. There's also a big initiative around worker cooperatives as a means to improve job quality. And so you'll also see worker co-ops in industries where it's difficult to provide quality jobs and there's a lot of turnover issues. So ICA Group specializes in supporting worker cooperatives in the home care industry and then the child care industry. The home care industry, there's a network of worker cooperatives that exist around the country. And you'll see that they have much lower staff turnover rates than than their competitors that are not cooperatively owned because of the advantages that worker ownership offers to workers in this industry. That's It's a hard industry to be a worker in. So there are a series of webinars that are being conducted through Advance Iowa. What will folks see or talk about or learn at one of those upcoming webinars? We believe there aren't any worker co-ops yet in Iowa. There might be one or two kind of operating out there. And so the idea of these webinars is really to spread the word about this model and really give people an introduction to what it is. And I think it's going to be really focused towards connecting with business owners who might be thinking about the future of the business and their future with their businesses and what comes next for them when they exit. And so it's really about introducing this idea, kind of how it can be an exit option for a business owner, and also comparing it to some of the other options that a business owner might be considering. So very introductory and really connected to exit planning for business owners. Jenny Massal, Program Director for Business Conversions with the ICA Group, headquartered in Massachusetts. We connected via Zoom on Tuesday, April 13th. She'll be part of a webinar sponsored by Advance Iowa on the topic of worker co-ops. Your next chance to participate is coming up on Wednesday, May 19. Learn more by going to the events section of AdvanceIowa.com. Still to come, indications trend upward and one source that can help if your home is in need of repair. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by the Iowa Waste Reduction Center online at iwrc.uni.edu. Get monthly regulatory updates, news about industry trends, upcoming events, and more straight to your inbox. Sign up at iwrc.uni.edu. For the 11th straight month, the Mid-America Business Conditions Index was in growth territory. And how? The current report, a leading economic indicator for a nine-state region including Iowa, was released at the beginning of this month. The index jumped to 73.9 from the previous month's already strong 68.9. Any level above 50 shows growth. 
Dr. Ernie Goss, who administers the survey, says the current level is the highest since the survey began nearly three decades ago. However, supply bottlenecks and labor shortages continue to limit potential growth. In fact, 93% of the supply managers surveyed reported such delays. 40% of them called those delays significant. Iowa's number went from 66.5 to 67.9. Dr. Goss says compared with pre-COVID levels, Iowa manufacturing employment is down 1.9%. That's some 4,300 jobs. While average hourly manufacturing wages are 2.1% lower. Coming up, a construction company that has no problem working with your insurance company. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa and its Family Business Forum, presenting another event in the Breakfast Series on Friday, May 21st, focusing on the essentials of family governance. To learn more or to register, go to AdvanceIowa.com and click on Family Business Forum. Ron Williams owns two Eastern Iowa-based companies that work together on construction and repair projects, ZZ Roofing and Siding and the Perfect Cut Gutter Company. He specializes in helping customers work with their insurance companies to get the best resolution. And he's been quite busy since the derecho last August. I asked Ron Williams how he got into this line of work. I've been doing in the roofing business and siding for about 30 years overall. I've worked for some different companies, just like everybody else has to learn. I've been doing it in Iowa about four years now. I study on how insurance companies work, how companies work, how material works, availability, all those things. So that's where I'm sitting at now. So I've done over 6,000 insurance claims. So when Folks are saying, I can't even read this stuff. I probably couldn't read this stuff at your work either, but this is what I look at every single day. So let's go through it page by page. I'll explain to you what we're looking at. And that way we'll start. We'll both be on the same page to start with. And we'll, we'll go with your questions from there. Now, how did you get involved in the business to begin with working for others? And then how did you get to this niche, which is very complicated, It is certainly an art form to work with insurance. So I'm interested how you eventually got to that point as a specialty, if you will. I've done construction. You know, I was in the military for a while. And when I got out, I was looking for jobs and stuff. You know, and I had different jobs, naturally, like everybody else. I was looking for a job. I ran into at one of the home shows that they have, started talking to one of the roofing companies. And they're going, yeah, it's good, steady work. There's always going to be storms. There's always going to be hail that's what we do. So give it a shot. So that's what I've been doing. And it's like I said, it's a, it's a matter of figuring out what you want to do in a business. Every single business does several different things. But if you want to know homeowners and you want to be able to take care of them, you need to make sure that you know what you're doing. So I studied the insurance rules, covered the state rules, everything like that. And then just doing One insurance claim after another, you get better and better and better at it. And now I'm going to be 59 this year, and I think I've got it figured out. (laughs) ZZ Roofing and Siding. So you don't just do the roofing. You also do the siding. You also have a company called Perfect Cut Gutter. Talk about how that all works together. Weirdly enough, it's common sense. 
So many companies just want to get in, get the roof, get their money and hit the road because it really is the easiest part to do. The roof is just the easiest part to do. But then they look at you and go, oh, okay, what about, I've got to get my siding and gutters done. And they go, yeah, we, we don't do that. You know, so it's an easy out, you know, and I don't like that. I like to just take care of the whole customer and be done with it. The big part of it is coordinating with other companies. Well, these guys are going to do the roof. These guys are going to do the gutters and you're going to do the siding, right? So these guys are supposed to be here on Tuesday and then don't show up. And so my guys can't show up and then the other guys can't show up. Because the, everything works from the top down. You do the roof, then you do the siding, then you do the gutters, then you're done and you go home. But trying to coordinate with two and three other companies to get their work done and to work with their schedule, customer's not going to be happy no matter what. Because, you know, if the roof guys don't show up when they're supposed to, I send my guys someplace else. And then they might get back to you in three, four weeks. And it's just, it just gets aggravating all the way. During last year's storm, when we're, things were going on, I let a lot of people know, go, well, we already got a good roofer we're going to use. They have, we haven't done anything with them yet, but we're, we're going to go ahead and use those. And I said, because it's so busy and it's so crazy, we're only doing complete jobs because I cannot coordinate with another roofing company. Gutters, it's always last. So if they want to use somebody else for gutters, that's fine. But that's why we have roofing, siding, and gutters. And why I have the perfect gut gutter company is to emphasize people, yes, we do gutters. Not just call, you know, ZZ Roofing and Siding and go, do you guys do gutters too? That's why I've put it there, black and white in front of you going, okay, you guys do everything. Luckily, most folks don't have to worry about insurance claims too many times in their lives. And so it's a right. new experience, it's complicated, and it requires a bit of a softer touch who is dispassionate, right? I mean, you can come in, it's not your house, you know that they're upset about it because it is their house, and then and you can be the honest broker in between just to kind of bring the parties together. All right, so as we talk about rebuilding post-Duratio, we've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of materials that need to be used, and that's coming off a pandemic when supply chain was an issue. So how hard is it for you to get the materials you need in order to fix somebody's property after the storm came through? It's actually one of the most difficult things right now. I've had just this month that material that we actually had ordered last year. I go to pick it up because we're ready for the material, even though we have deposit on it. It's gone. They sold it to somebody else, even though we had reserves on it. Even with right. the deposit. It's one thing to say this guy came here with a check and you had just promised to come in. You put money down and still lost it because it's at that much of a premium. Right. It is. And and prices have gone insane. Yeah. What I'm doing, I'm saying, what colors do you like in siding? We'll just, we'll just talk siding at this point. Mm-hmm. What colors do you like in siding? Right. Well, we want this one. All right. We're going to sit right here. We're going to call the different supply houses. There's only three here. Let's call all three and find out what the availability is on it. And I'll put you on speakerphone. So when they say four and five months, we're all on the same page. A little bit running into the same thing with roofing with like the class four series, you know, impact resistant, the heavy duty shingles. Other than like that, it it hasn't been that bad. From last year, from some contracts that I had to this, I'm actually having to go back to the insurance company and going, I know I gave you this dollar amount. Now it's actually this dollar amount, which is, you know, exponentially a lot more expensive because supplies have gone insane on prices. And that scares homeowners too. 
they're going, hey, I went to Menards, right? <laughs> a sheet of OSB or plywood was seven bucks last year. Now it's 32. That's okay, right? I write it up. I'll send it to the insurance company. When they look at it, if they have a question, they will actually call me, right? And go, so how come this year you wanted, you know, we'll just say a thousand and now you want three. I'm saying, welcome to Iowa. Here's my documentation. Here's my sales slip. I can justify it all. It's just a matter of accountability. Yeah. And that's and and that's all people want. They people just want communication. They're not happy, right? They're rarely happy, <laughs> you know, with what's going on because it's moving so slow. But but communication is best, you know, and and everybody drops the ball once in a while, a little bit. But we we do have a lady that her job is just to answer the phone. And if she calls, you call and, and, and talk to Jamie or, you, you know, you get her voicemail, she's on the phone with somebody else and she'll call you back in about 10 minutes. That's one of the things that we pride ourselves in because I, I let homeowners know. I go, we appreciate you finding us, taking the time, sitting down, calling our phone number, and then nobody answers the phone. I buy stuff too. Drives me nuts too. That's why that's her only job. Give her, give her about 10 minutes to get off with those folks and she'll call you right back too. The best way is to give Jamie a call at 319-210-5613. 319-210-5613. And absolutely, if you want to send her a text, obviously we all use cell phones, it's a cell. Send her a text with your name, any information you want to do. She'll call you back and she'll send it straight to me. And why I don't have people call me directly, because I'm always in somebody's house, not answering the phone. Ron Williams of ZZ Roofing and Siding and the Perfect Cut Gutter Company, both based in eastern Iowa. We connected via Zoom on Thursday, April 29th. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors. Now 19 different ways for you to hear the podcast. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. <laughs>